your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. And we will be reading verse 17 as we give thanks on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. Colossians 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let us pray. Lord God, as we consider uh, Your Word, we acknowledge that all of Your Word is true. And so as we take a survey of Your Word this morning, we pray that You would enable us to see just how grateful we ought to be deep in our thanksgiving to You for everything. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Christmas has eclipsed Thanksgiving. You've probably seen the meme where it has the months of November and December and all the days in November it says Christmas, Christmas, and then on the actual Thursday of Thanksgiving it says Thanksgiving, and then the rest all the way through December it says Christmas, right? And it is a fascinating cultural phenomenon where things, or Christmas does seem to creep further and further, earlier and earlier each year. I, and, and there's two schools of thought, right? There, there are those who are purists who say, no, absolutely not. We are not putting up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. We're not going to be tuning in to the radio stations that play the Christmas songs uh, at this time. No Christmas until after Thanksgiving, right? Can I get an amen? All right. Yeah. <laughs> there are others who say, well, what's wrong with that, right? And, uh, you know, we'll get to the season and, and all that. And so, yeah, by all means, let's, uh, let's put out decorations and let's listen to some of the music and all that. I suppose for the purists, they could start some kind of petition, right? And Get it so that Christmas has moved into November and then, and then Thanksgiving has moved into December and that way we can give thanks for all the stuff that we got that we really didn't need in the first place. Christmas, star, okay. And then there's the Christmas starts in October crowd. Uh, thank you very much. Um, here's the thing. Thanksgiving is coming up this Thursday and it is one of the holidays that is a a pillar, a foundation in our uh, country. Washington issued a Thanksgiving Day proclamation. Lincoln did so as well. What's fascinating is they were actually days of uh, mourning, contrition, fasting in uh, national, in a national way, uh, in order to thank God for everything He's done, but also to say, "Don't take it away." Don't take away the privileges and the blessings that we have as a free country. And as we approach this 
holiday coming up. I want to direct our attention to Scripture. I want us to see and give a, a, a survey of the New Testament that provides us and shows us the myriad of reasons and occasions for which we are to give thanks. God does provide a number of reasons as to why we are to give thanks to Him through Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what are some of those reasons? Let's start in the Gospels. Turn with me, uh, if you want to follow along, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. This, of course, is uh, as we come to the end of chapter 15, where Jesus feeds a multitude of people. And here he's got seven loaves and some fish. He took the seven loaves in verse 36 of Matthew 15. He took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowds. Here's Jesus offering the blessing before the meal. He's, he's giving thanks for the food that he and the multitudes are receiving from the providential hand of God. By the way, a sharp contrast to the secular worldview today. The secular worldview does not acknowledge that there is someone to whom we give thanks for everything, the food that we receive from His providential hand. We do. We recognize that God is the someone. He is the one who has given us food on our tables uh, that we have received from His providential hand. And so we, following the example of our Lord, give thanks for the food that we receive. The other instance, there's only two occasions in Matthew's Gospel that, are, uh, that highlight this giving thanks aspect. It's, uh, the other one is in chapter 26 and verse 27. And this is when Jesus is instituting His Supper, the Lord's Supper. We're going to partake of that in just a few minutes. And you notice in verse uh, 26, uh, He took the bread and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. Again, another instance where we see Jesus giving thanks. Mark kind of tracks along these same trajectories in his gospel. There are, again, two occasions when he feeds, Jesus feeds the 5,000. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 6, he gives thanks before he breaks the bread and keeps on breaking it off, giving it to people. And then in his parallel account of the institution of the Lord's Supper, we read again over there in Mark's Gospel that Jesus, he gave thanks for the cup. Come with me to Luke 17. Luke gives a, a few more occasions in his Gospel of people giving thanks. In Luke chapter 17, Verses 11 through 19, this is the account where Jesus heals not one, not two, but ten lepers all at once. And in verse 16, one of those lepers, a Samaritan, comes back and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. So here is a miracle of healing. Jesus has blessed this individual with healing. And he returns with gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave thanks for that. 
you turn the page. This is in sharp contrast to the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. You know the the story that Jesus tells about the self-righteous Pharisee who stands in contrast with the, the tax collector who's so humiliated he can't even lift his eyes to heaven. Meanwhile, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, adulterers, unjust, even like this tax collector. That's a self-righteous gratitude. It's, it's disingenuous gratitude. It's not real gratitude. And then, of course, again, Luke's parallel account of the institution of the Lord's Supper. There is Jesus once again giving thanks for the cup and the bread as he institutes his supper. All four Gospels record Jesus feeding the 5,000. And John records it in his Gospel, John chapter 6. And once again, he highlights in verse 11 that Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, there it is again, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. In fact, so impressive was this, that John not only records it here in verse 11 of his gospel in chapter 6, but he says it again in verse 23. Uh, Other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. There's something about this giving thanks in connection with the reception of food and this particular miracle. Very interesting. One more instance in John's Gospel of you Turn to chapter 11. We know in John chapter 11, this is the account where Jesus heals his friend Lazarus. Right before he does that, he offers a prayer. Uh, They, the people that are there, took away the stone from the tomb to open it up. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, what's especially deep about this is this is intertrinitarian communication. This is communication that is happening between God the Son and God the Father. And here is God the Son thanking God the Father that He has been heard. God the Son, while in the flesh, living among us, thanking God the Father. It's very deep. Let's just get the same thing over in uh, chapter 17 which is an extended prayer of Jesus, that also is intertrinitarian communication. As Father and Son, the Son communicating with the Father. Here you have it again. I thank you that you've heard me. And if the Son thanks the Father for having been heard, how much more? We. How much more should we give thanks to the Father, our Heavenly Father, for having heard our prayers as well? The book of Acts, it's actually toward the end of the book of Acts, records a couple of instances where the Apostle Paul uh, gives thanks in Acts chapter 27. Here we are in the midst of a storm. The ship is lost at sea. They've been out there for 14 days. No one's eaten anything. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, it's been revealed to me. We're going to be saved. But we need to eat something. (laughs) And here it is again. Paul, following Jesus' example, it would seem. When he had said these things in verse 35, 
Acts 27, 35, when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat, and everyone else is encouraged. They began to take in some food as well. But again, the reception of food is associated with giving thanks to God. There's one more instance when Paul finally arrives at Rome uh, in Acts 28 and verse 15. There are some brothers there. And when they heard about this, they came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. So here's Paul giving thanks to God for these beloved brothers and sisters who've come to visit him. We see again and again throughout the narrative text of the New Testament, the Gospels and Acts, instances where people are giving thanks. And in particular, Jesus himself giving thanks. Now, from the narrative material, we move into the epistles of Paul. And if you turn the page to Romans chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul, typically in his greetings to his brothers and sisters in these churches that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, he will usually begin with a word of thanks, word of gratitude. And here in Romans 1 and verse 8, it is no different. Paul writes, first, I thanked my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So Paul thanking God for the proclamation of their faith, the Roman church's faith all over the world. You can come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. Again, another greeting. These are texts that we can read right past and miss the force of what is being said here. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Do you hear it? Thanking God for the grace He has given to this church in Corinth. By the way, the same Corinthian church, they had a lot of problems. And yet God was gracious and had given them grace. We turn over to the book of Ephesians. Again, we can just walk right through Paul's epistles and, and notice his prayer life as he's giving thanks to God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says here, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Thanking God for the Ephesian church, for his brothers and sisters in Christ in Ephesus. And indeed, how great it is to have brothers and sisters in Christ. We just finished Philippians, and in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, we, it was several months ago, but we saw there, Paul writes, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. There's the prayer, the joy that Paul has as he remembers his Philippian brothers and sisters, same kind of thing as we see in Ephesians, giving thanks to God for brothers and sisters in Christ. Next, we come to the book of Colossians. And as Paul begins his epistle to the Colossians, once again, he's giving thanks. Notice what he gives thanks for. Colossians 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Now, notice Paul here is praying and giving thanks to God for the faith 
and the love of the Philippian brothers and sisters. And what, again, it's, it's interesting, giving thanks to God for their faith. The idea there is their faith is ultimately from God, just as their love is. That God is to be thanked for opening their eyes and opening their ears so that they might hear and see all the good and wonderful things that are contained in the gospel. Because salvation really is of the Lord. We can look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2. Again, opening greetings. Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he thanking God here? Faith, hope, and love. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in Christ Jesus. And again, the idea being, God is the one who is the source of their faith, their hope, and their love. 2 Thessalonians also begins with an opening giving thanks, an opening greeting. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, I, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you, for one another, is increasing. Their faith is growing, their love is increasing, and Paul is giving thanks to God for that. Why? Because obviously God is the source of that growing faith and that increasing love. And so he is to be thanked for that. It is noteworthy that these epistles, many of them, begin with that word of thanksgiving to God. That God is worthy to be thanked for the grace, faith, hope, love, even for the evangelistic efforts. Remember, the church in Rome, their faith was being proclaimed in all the world. And Paul was giving thanks to God for that. That as we give thanks, we give thanks for everything in our Christian life. For the grace of God, for the faith, the hope, the love, and again, for those evangelistic efforts. Again, if we just read right past these greetings, that just we miss it. We see again and again Paul opening these letters with thanks be to God for what he has done and what he is doing. That is the proper response for us creatures to the Creator. The proper response is to give thanks. However, turn with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. The sad truth is that many creatures do not do that. As Paul begins to explain how the entire world is under sin and is accountable to God because of their sin, he begins the argument here in chapter 1. It'll culminate in chapter 3. But as he begins, he explains how the wrath of God is being revealed, how humans in rebellion to their Creator suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That is the active response of man, humans, in rebellion to God is to suppress the truth. Like, uh, the way it's been illustrated before is, it's like, you know when you take like a, a beach ball, perhaps, and you're in a swimming pool and you try to hold that thing underwater? That's the, the idea of suppression here of the truth. You can hold it down for a while, but eventually, boom, it's coming back up and you have the revenge of conscience. But the truth that there is a creator, 
that there is a God is evident in what God has created. His fingerprints are all over it. This is Paul in verses 19 and 20. And so verse 21 begins, although they knew God. That is, they knew the truth that there is a God, there is a creator. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or, ready, give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. We see the proper response, the appropriate response of us creatures to our creator is give him thanks and give him honor. Honor him and give him thanks. Gratitude, thanksgiving, that is the the appropriate response for everyone, for all creatures. Instead, what happens? People in rebellion refuse to give God honor. Refuse to give Him thanks. Instead, they exchange the glory of the immortal God. Paul says in verse 23, they exchange it for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, creeping things. What ends up happening is people exchange the Creator for the creature. Instead of worshiping and serving the Creator, they worship and serve the creature and even themselves. This is Paul in verse 25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they serve and worship the the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. This is what's at the heart. What is the, the source of all unbelief. Someone has said that the tragic reality of the secular worldview, which is right in line with what, is Paul is, what Paul is saying here. The tragic result of that particular secular worldview is when the rebel sinner has reason to give thanks and instead looks around and there is no one for him or her to give thanks to because they've rejected the very one that they should be giving thanks to. Or they walk around and, and in their unbelief and the delusion of unbelief, they even deny the existence of the Creator. And they have something, they have ought to be thankful for, and they have no one to be thankful to. That is the tragic result of this. We are not of this. We, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, the veil of our rebellion has been removed. The darkness of our heart, and that stony heart, has been exchanged for a heart of flesh. And we have new affections and new desires, and so we do. We give honor and we give thanks to our Creator. And again, Paul, taking a page right out of Jesus' playbook, as it were. Where else would he get it, right? Romans chapter 14. We hear it again. Twice repeated in this single verse. The continuance of the trajectory that was set in the Gospels and in Acts Romans 14, verse 6, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And again, the context is food. (laughs) I'm sure many of us are going to eat a lot of food this Thursday, more than we probably should. But the appropriate response for the Christian, whenever we receive food, whether it's this Thursday or any day, is to receive it 
and to consume it with gratitude to our Creator, to give thanks to God. Again, absent God, this is nonsensical. Give thanks? To whom in the first place? And for what in the second place? From the secular worldview, I got this in my own power. So I guess I should thank myself, pat myself on the back for this. Or, since we live in a dispassionate universe and everything around us is the product of random chance, then I guess uh, the reception and the eating of this is just a further result of random, random purposeless chance that I just so happen to have this food before me. I'm merely doing what my nature requires, dancing to my DNA, and so give thanks for what and to whom. For the Christian, no. We recognize every meal, every morsel of food that we receive comes from the providential hand of God. And so we give thanks. Again, just something to keep in mind this Thursday. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 20. These verses are connected to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, which we read at the beginning of the sermon today. Here, the context for gratitude is verse 18. Don't, uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So the context here is, to, is being filled with the Spirit, to be Spirit-filled. And notice verse 20, the connection is to giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has said that Spirit-filled Christians live in a continual attitude of gratitude for everything. And that's right. The, the filling of the Spirit, the context here of giving thanks is in the context of being filled with the Spirit. And so we, we need to affirm that all that we have is from God. Uh, when we give thanks, when we truly give thanks, that does have a transformative effect to it where it impacts our ethics, it impacts our behavior. When we give thanks, it's nearly impossible for us to be spiteful and grateful at the same time. That is, it's, it's nearly impossible to harbor resentment while giving thanks to God. Nearly impossible to do that. We need to recognize, in connection with Colossians chapter 3, that our old self has been put to death. And now we have our new self that's been infused with this new life-giving spirit that enables us to give thanks. I mean, how could we not be thankful for what God has done in our lives? And so again, Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17, this is a series of sermons that's just waiting to happen, right? In whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We see again the, the Trinitarian connections here. God the Father through God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How the, 
Holy Spirit is over and above and involved in all this as well? Again, a whole series of sermons in a single verse, but uh, let's press forward. You know this text, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, in everything. Give thanks always, your translation may say. That's good too. Always and in everything, just as we saw in Ephesians 5.20, always and for everything we are to give thanks. Notice the rest of the verse continues. For, let me tell you why, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God's will is? Read no further, right? Give thanks always. Give thanks in every circumstance. That is the will of God for you. By the way, not just one day a year, right? Every day. Uh, and, and certainly not just one day tucked within a two-month spending spree, right? But every day and always and for everything. And again, it is God's will that you do that. It is God's will that you thank Him for the food on your table and in your pantry, the clothing on your back, all your worldly goods, your house, your car, for your very being, you're to give thanks. And it's God's will that you do that. It is God's will that you thank Him for His continued presence in your life, His continued preservation of all things, His mercy, His grace. Give Him thanks for His Word. It is God's will that you thank Him for every spiritual blessing that is yours in Christ Jesus. That you thank Him for your calling, your election, your regeneration, renewal, redemption, salvation, justification, adoption as children, and ultimate glorification. Give Him thanks in all things and always. And that is God's will. The end of the book. The book of Revelation. In the last book of the New Testament, in the last book of the entire canon of Scripture, we read how with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, you have 24 elders. We've been introduced to them early in the book of Revelation that stand around the throne of God. And they sit on thrones before God, but now they can no longer remain seated at the sounding of the seventh trumpet. They get up and they fall down. <laughs> they fall on their faces and worship God with the sound of the seventh trumpet. And what they say in heaven ought to be expressed here on earth. They say in Rome, uh, Revelation 11 and verse 7, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who was and who is, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. We give thanks. The 24 elders in heaven fall on their faces and give thanks. We similarly, because it's, a, because it's God's will, because it's a distinctly Christian activity, because it stands as an absolute contrast with a secular worldview, in a similar way, we give thanks to Lord God Almighty, who was, is, and is to come for everything that He has given us and always. 
So this, this run through the New Testament, I, I believe it, it provides us a full-orbed perspective on thanksgiving, on, on giving thanks to God, why we ought to give thanks to God, the various reasons as to why we give thanks, and really what is at the heart of giving thanks, and that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord God Almighty, we give thanks. We thank you for being a God who provides us with all of our material possessions. We thank you for that. You are the God who has provided us with your word. You provided us with your son. And you have given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And we give you thanks for that. Lord God, deepen our gratitude day by day. May we be people who, as you call us to be, give thanks in every circumstance for everything that you give us. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.